30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard As someone who goes around telling people, I'm a wizard. I'm no stranger to blank stares and hesitant questions of, um, what does that mean? And yet, even I can barely imagine the responses one would get when casually slipping, I'm a slug queen, into polite conversation. Now, I imagine you too are wondering, what the heck is a slug queen? And thankfully, our guest today will provide us with a slime trail of clues we can follow to that illuminating answer. Kieran Murray is a food activist by day, living and working in Puerto Rico. But when the full moon rises, Kieran transforms into Kiki Slug Queen, a mystic drag queen who connects with all types of people through the medium of intuitive queer readings. I had the pleasure of chatting with Kieran about how Kiki came to be, the power of the mollusk mythology, and the way queerness can combat colonization and create radical spaces for magical possibility. So let's leave our salt at home, friends, as we ooze towards an understanding of how to be a slug queen. Well, hello, Kieran, and hello, Kiki. Hello, Devin. Welcome to Ritual Space. Thank you for having me. What is our magic word going to be today? Our magic word is going to be spiral. Spiral. Excellent. Now, you brought up to me that you listened to the podcast and you Mm -hmm. did not know that the magic word is supposed to be said out loud by both us and the listeners. So, friendly reminder to those who are new to the podcast, we're going to count down one, two, three, and we're all going to say spiral together. That puts us on the same magical page. So, one, two, three, spiral. Spiral. Ooh. All right. Why spiral? Why roll? <laughs> um, I was thinking about it last night. We went to this winter solstice celebration and it ended in this little spiral dance moment. Mm. And it got me thinking because um, snails have this spiral in their shell and it is this thing that recurs in nature a lot. And I was just thinking about um, how it kind of has this this center of gravity, right, that allows the spiral to grow but also be sort of grounded in a in a focal point as it expands and just thinking about that tension has been on my mind today it's probably so interesting too because they can go in and out like you can spiral outward and radiate externally mm-hmm. or you can circle in and be more introspective and inwardly focused like it can either go in or out of the circle mm-hmm. yeah absolutely all right, so we're just gonna have to get into the thick of it because I have so many questions. I, <laughs> I you've you've been staying at my house and I, I still don't even know because I've been waiting to get into the podcast ritual. Who is Kiki Slug Queen and how did she get here? Yeah, so Kiki Slug Queen is a mystical drag queen. Um, she was born on Halloween weekend of 2017. Mm. Um, she 
kind of originated from a meme, really. Um, I I love Halloween and using it as this opportunity to kind of like embody a different part of myself or play and um, usually involve friends in some kind of like group thing. So the year before we did Reno 911 characters and we're like... You dangle? I we we were kind of like our own versions like uh, okay like I was Officer Kieran but gotcha. we were like you know the Brooklyn how short were your shorts it was cold so we actually had pants on oh my god you know blasphemy all right let's let's <laughs> let's forget about this Halloween and get on to the next yes. one so um yeah so I saw this meme of of this little kid dressed as a slug um walking away from the camera with this little like iridescent trail behind them and it was so corny the caption like the the text of the meme was just guess I'll escargot then and <laughs> I was like that's so cute and dumb and I want to be a slug and yeah. like be a pack of slugs with my friends for Halloween so pack of slugs yeah. yeah and nobody else like wanted to make a slug costume or do that so I was like you know what I still want to be a slug. I'm going to be a slug queen. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I went to Michael's craft store and bought a bunch of iridescent cellophane and um, got these like DIY snow globes and bought some snails from PetSmart, put them in there, strapped it onto a bunch of wigs. and, and Actual snails? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Actual snails. Yeah. <laughs> and then I like realized after that that I became a, a slug dad, a snail dad by, yeah. by mistake because now I had to like take care of these cute little creatures what's the difference between snails and slugs i mean is it just the shell that's the main difference yeah, yeah is is this the the shell yeah, yeah they're both mollusks yes mollusks gastropods yeah. and then like snails and slugs so you go out for halloween you're a snail dad slash slug queen uh-huh. and what about that experience um stuck with you and and you know didn't just disappear come november 1st so the main reason that Kiki continued to live on past Halloween was because uh, somebody that I had met while I was out at a Halloween party invited Kiki to come be sort of like a host at this party in January that was happening. Um, and so I showed up at this party for the first time, like after Halloween as Kiki, which was mm-hmm. um, also a very different experience because I was no longer surrounded by other people that were, you know, presenting this kind of like fantastical one night version of themselves. I have the opposite experience because as someone who goes around as a fantastical thing on a regular basis and what I love is the juxtaposition of like normal day there's no reason for this wizard to be on the subway yet here I am Mm -hmm. when it's around Halloween and I'm going out to do a performance or a thing and I'm like oh I make too much sense right now like people have (laughs) people think that I'm going to like a Halloween party and like it's still fun, but it's like it's kind of breaks the spell in a different way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, I would imagine maybe it takes some of the power away from it or it it just renegotiates the way you have to think about how you're creating that character in the space. Yeah. It definitely changes the juxtaposition is what yeah. I would say. Yeah. 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 So how did it feel going out after Halloween? To... It was... It was really exciting. Like all of my friends came and got ready with me and were like really excited that I was going out as Kiki Slug Queen, not on Halloween. Um, so I felt really supported and a sense of community around that. Um, had you done much drag before? Like had you had other? No, this was like the first time I'd ever done drag. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was 
a new exciting experience and I think also just seeing how my friends and and people were kind of like gravitating to this particular you know character or part of myself felt like it was important to to keep going with there was a momentum there there was something that you wanted to just Mm -hmm. let play out yeah exactly yeah and then how did um how did Kiki continue to evolve? Because uh, I've I, I met Kiki the other night, mm-hmm. and it feels like there's a long way from Halloween costume to the full range of services and experiences that you now um, curate and create. Yeah, um, it's been a very like uh, I guess highly intentional, but like very subconscious or something. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like I, it's been like finding something that I want to do a particular performance that I feel excited to do and make happen. And then that opening a door that I didn't expect that kind of points me to the next thing. So kind of the way that Kiki was even born of just being this, what felt like a random impulse to do this thing, then opened a door to bring this beyond Halloween and then to do my first stage performance. And it's been this process of, um, I guess listening for whatever cues are kind of appearing through the signs the in, the universe is saying it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah I I always like to say everything leads to something and if I go out and do some performance or or you know get a little bit of press or something like that like you can have your expectations be really high and be let down when it's like my life isn't immediately transformed by that moment but then when you actually look at the details you're like oh. I went out and did that thing. I talked to that one person and had that great little conversation who then messaged me like seven months later asking if I could come to the, this birthday. And at that birthday, I met this other person, which then led to this collaboration, which was really exciting and and so on and so forth, following that uh, that slug trail of synchronicity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Where did the... Uh, wh- when did Kiki start getting mystical? Hmm. Um... I would say actually like the very first stage performance that I did was kind of mystical. Like I think even more so than I realized at the time, because what I did was I made this slug love potion on stage. (laughs) And so it was this super elaborate performance. It was my first time performing in drag and I just decided to like sign up for the biggest drag competition in Brooklyn and do it there. Um, Is that at Bushwig? It was, it's called Mrs. BK. Okay. Uh, and so I I did that and uh, the performance was basically like I, I had this potion, I threw glitter into it and some dye, like some coloring dye swirled it around with this slug lug, like slug love straw uh-huh. that I had made that I saw on an Instagram ad. Um, I like blew bubbles into it and had foam come out of it. I lit it on fire and then I had these little plastic slugs that I threw out into the audience and invited people to come dance on stage. Awesome. And the the kind of idea behind all of that uh, flashy, crazy potion making was like, I I started to meditate on like, well, what is if I'm a slug queen? What does that mean? And what are why slugs? And what I was really drawn to is that there are these creatures that we think of as slimy, gross pests that Mm -hmm. like we're always trying to get out of the garden or, you know, not touch and all these things. And so to like what I recognized in my very first costume where I had them 
in these orbs on my head as kind of this crown was like actually celebrating them and, and holding them in this high position to say like, I'm going to bring these things that feel uncomfortable or, or gross alien. Mm -hmm. They're like, they're slimy and they just are totally not the same kind of creature that we are just like absolutely a different end of the spectrum of being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I've spent a lot of time, well, it's probably like five minutes, but I, it felt like a lot of time on mushrooms watching a slug like move across a parking lot, and it was profound. Oh, yeah. It was so fascinating to see the way that like their body is this sort of conveyor belt and just it just moves them along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really really beautiful. I've like gone down the internet, Wikipedia, even yeah. Pinterest has a lot of great slug content. Oh, I uh, bet. <laughs> um. So from the very first time I went out with the slugs, I I was kind of thinking about this idea of inclusivity or having um, these creatures that are normally not part of our, you know, our world Mm -hmm. uh, make an appearance and be something that people can interact with and see and, and celebrate. And I was thinking about with this performance, it was the first time I was kind of bringing myself into the queer community in some way and so throwing the slugs out into the audience and inviting people up on stage I felt like this potion was kind of making this this slug love happen right like connecting this you know introducing these little creatures into our world and bringing people up on stage into my world and just having it be this kind of union that was happening yeah it's like i mean it sounds very alchemical in the terms of like you're doing this potion in stages and then the performance is um sort of joining worlds you're you're bringing this creature from the other into our world but then also into this community that is sort of defined by its otherness by Mm -hmm. its very queerness yeah exactly where did the queer readings come about or i guess maybe what i'd rather ask is where did the queer readings come from and what are they? Yeah. So, uh, interestingly, the queer readings actually comes from Kiki interacting with my spirituality, specifically, um, my Christian background. Mm -hmm. So I was born and raised Christian and, um, there's still, I'm kind of in this moment of like, if you were to ask me, are you a Christian? I would be like, yes, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not sure. Like (laughs) there's a lot of parts of it that, are still deeply foundational to my spiritual formation and that I find really important. Um, and then there are parts of it that I have let go of. Yeah. Uh, so I had been going to church like all throughout my time living in Brooklyn. And during the time when I was like beginning with Kiki, I was very active in my church community and a part of the prayer team and doing community dinners and all these things. Um, and that felt like this totally other world from this drag queer world that I was entering. And they both felt like really key parts of my identity that Mm -hmm. I didn't want to let go of or compromise either. And so for a while I was just kind of in this tension of feeling like I have these two parts of me that there's no bridge internally connecting them. And also the communities, there's no overlap. There's prayer world and there's slug world and they... Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's not there's a chasm between them. Mm-hmm, exactly. 
And then I moved to Puerto Rico uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, so this is like less than a year into Kiki's existence. I moved to Puerto Rico and the work that I do there is really focused on healing the land um, through supporting regenerative agriculture projects. And in the process of living in Puerto Rico and um, living in a colony of the United States and seeing the effects that that has had on the entire place there. Um, it's also called into like, it's also made me aware of how Christianity has been used to colonize the spirituality, mm -hmm. particularly there, but also like all over the place. Um, and so I think being in Puerto Rico and learning a bit more about Santeria and just indigenous um, practices with the land that are also very spiritual um, and very holistic kind of opened this this door to to see my spirituality in a larger mm -hmm. way, um, in a more connected and holistic way. And so it was through that that my spirituality felt like it could dialogue with Kiki. Mm. Uh, and the way that the queer reading specifically came about was um, one of my good friends in Puerto Rico. She was a drag artist in like the mid 2000s. She had like a MySpace for her drag persona yeah. and like pre drag race, all of that. She was doing drag in public spaces throughout Puerto Rico um, her name's Lingot Lingote Hurtado, mm -hmm. and the artist is Yolanda Velasquez. She's wonderful. And she would do these performances where, like, they would be building some kind of really bougie new shopping center. Um, and she would go with a construction vest and, like, get a bunch of people to join her and occupy the space and, like, act as if she was in charge of the construction. Um, she also had a demolition company where she would show up at places where they were tearing down old buildings and just do these like performance interventions in drag. Wow. That um, is so cool. Yeah. She like took out ads in newspapers too about her fake companies and she just did all this really, um, really powerful work around like commenting on capitalism and colonialism yeah. in Puerto Rico. Like playful, performative and, drag activism. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. Yeah. And so she, for her 50th birthday party, invited me to do a performance. And so I wanted to honor her character in some way and the themes that she explored. Um, and so I was trying to figure out, well, like, what would Kiki's version of doing something that was dealing with this um, kind of commerce and extractive you know themes like how could I embody that in a way that's me as well mm -hmm. and so I actually got a tarot reading when I was in the process of like contemplating all this and both the like the content of the reading and the reading itself just was very inspiring to me and I thought what if I do readings at this party where I ask people to hand me their wallet and I pull out all the things in their wallet and we do a reading based on those about their financial future. Mm -hmm. And so when I was doing these readings, I actually thought that it was going to be this kind of improv comedy, silly thing that I was going to do. I wasn't expecting it to actually be spiritual or yeah. be like 
a prayer or a reading with somebody. Uh, but people would ask me serious questions and like take it pretty seriously. And I was like, really? I'm a drag queen in an art gallery at a birthday party, like pulling your credit cards out. Like, yeah, I, I was surprised. Dripping slugs on your on your subway card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And um, and so the readings, like what I found was that in that moment of the person sharing what they're going through and what they're thinking about and then being presented with these objects and and looking for meaning with them I felt like I was returning to the headspace of being on the prayer team at my church and like somebody coming up to me and having something on their mind that they want to explore and receive something around and so the readings in this way became like a practice of prayer for me, but mediated by whatever objects appeared in whatever positions of the reading. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the the birth. That is so fascinating. Reading. I I, I want to call it a couple of things because one, I I think there's often um, a thing that I've gone through and I've noticed other creative people in my life have gone through where they're like, oh, I need to come up with the idea, and it's just put pressure on themselves and just try and like squeeze it out. When really it's doing the more exploratory things and like going and having the tarot reading, giving yourself these experiences is what then shakes things loose and allows those ideas to kind of to come up. And I've uh, I've also done the the wallet divination before. I have a group of diviner friends that we we go to bars and hang out and, you know, read tarot cards and do geomancy and other things. And as the wizard, I'm always like. Eh, what's like a weirder thing that I can do? Like, I don't want to just read tarot cards. Like, those are fun, but what's something else? And I think you really hit the nail on the head where you're taking the mundane objects that, I mean, are talismans. Like, people carry their wallets with them everywhere. It's like you have these handful of objects, your phone, your keys, your wallet, that like are your, if you were an action figure, like that's what that's what would come in the accessories. Mm-hmm. And thinking about them in a new way and being humorous and playful and improvisational, I think again, opens that doorway where then the true meaning can come out like, Oh yeah, this is my Jamba juice gift card. But if you can tell me a story about like why this means something right now, like Mm -hmm. that helps me connect, not just with my life in this heady mystical sense, but it connects that heady mystical sense back into my Jamba juice card. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, that relates that clicks right exactly so what i learned from doing those readings with the wallets was that these objects that people are carrying like you're saying have all of these stories behind them and they're very personal uh and that this could be expanded to not just things in a wallet but any objects that people have on them and it so i, I love what you're saying about so you, you've you've found the objects in the wallet and you've created um, the story to tell back to the person. I think that's fascinating. And that I'm curious of how that continued to evolve and grow into um, the readings now, the queer readings and and what sets those apart and how that, um, that Genesis continued. Yeah. So I continued to do more readings after that using just any objects, not just what's in a wallet. Um, because I wanted to expand it to not just be about money and while it's like it could be anything. And and to me, this has been a very exploratory, experimental process, right? Like I, 
I haven't been formally trained in this mm-hmm. type of work in any way. I'm kind of like figuring it out as I go and trying new things. Spoiler alert, me uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's it's been really... It's been really fun to to do that and to kind of like tweak the process as I go, learn where there's things that resonate more deeply, how to incorporate different like physical practices. Mm-hmm. Like um, recently I've started making sure that I like share a breath with the person before mm-hmm. we begin and just try to like sync up physically a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I continue to just do different objects um, and what I realized is that a large part of the power that was coming from this is the personal element is that these are objects that represent more than what's there at face value. And they have sentimental meaning that's connected to the um, human that has the ownership relationship with the object. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And what I wanted to also introduce was a way for, me to be able to bring something personal because I found that I kept asking other people to to produce objects not sometimes people don't have objects or sometimes people um well it's they don't always have them on them you know like uh it's not like everyone's bringing like oh yeah it's not like antiques roadshow everyone's like oh yeah I have my grandfather's watch right here ready to go yeah yeah Yeah. my childhood diary it just happened to be mm -hmm. in my backpack so convenient (laughs) and and what I wanted to do was be able to bring something personal of mine to the table. Uh, and so I decided to design my own cards that would be representing particular people or places or events that have influenced me and particularly Kiki's journey um, over the course of, of this whole process. And so I designed this Oracle deck of 12 cards um, with an amazing artist in, in Puerto Rico who illustrated them and, uh, and then began giving people the option of using either their personal objects or my personal objects being mm. the deck of cards. And through doing that, I, the, the term like queer readings came about because I, I realized that sort of in hindsight, looking back at how all this happened and why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it, um, I think I wasn't drawn to like, I'm going to learn how to do traditional tarot because I, I wanted to do something that was acknowledging like what we're carrying and who we are. Um, because my spiritual and religious background for a long time didn't create space for mm-hmm. these other parts of me, I felt like I wanted to do something that was coming from me first and figuring out the framework for that so um the queer readings are intentionally not using a framework that's inherited from somewhere else because as queer people we live in a society where there isn't space for us that the family dynamics and just structures that exist don't hold that space and so it's on us to be constantly using the power of what is personal to us to create that space and create community And so the queer readings to me by using just these personal objects um, are really embodying that practice in a very intentional way to say what you have on you in your pockets or what I have, you know, put on these cards. We can look to those things that come from us to identify new possibilities that are for us. It's very, the the thought just kind of came to mind that 
queerness in the queer community in a way is almost the opposite of colonization. Because colonization mm-hmm. is like, oh, hey, you've got a bunch of stuff going on and we want to be a part of it and we're going to dominate it and like take over and like do the thing. Whereas queerness is saying you've given us no space to do the things that we want to do and you have a, a system that we do not want to play a part in. And so like the the daisy pushing up through the sidewalk, we're going to find our own spaces and create our own culture in these margins that then can like burst forth into the world and grow robust and and takes over what it needs to from the dominant culture that it, it's it's um not necessarily like parasitic but it's um it's coming out of it rather than dominating and, and feeding upon it yeah absolutely and i think that that perspective has very much been cultivated by my time in puerto rico and mm-hmm. seeing how the i guess activist community like the, the activism that happens is just so intersectional and and holistic because of necessity mm-hmm. i think like there's there's not the privilege of being able to choose just like well we're going to focus on this one issue because everything is urgent right now um and so i think the that sort of notion of like decolonizing and queerness being um very linked together is is something that also i i find resonates like between the work that i'm doing in agriculture and with drag um something that we think about with the food projects that we work with in puerto rico is um you know these systems of monoculture of growing just all one type of crop and this extractive economy that exists where everything grown in Puerto Rico is like largely coffee and Mm -hmm. things that aren't food and then is exported. Um, There's the Jones Act. There's like all these things that make Puerto Rico um, this extractive economy for the U.S. so that people from outside benefit at the expense of people on the island um, not having it like it's almost a food desert because It was before Hurricane Maria importing 85% of its food. That went up to 98% after the hurricane. Wow. Uh, And it's a tropical island where you can grow abundantly. So something that I've learned in the past year of working in Puerto Rico and um, working specifically in food and agriculture and then also being part of the queer arts community is that the same systems of power that are destroying the land are also what um, is harming communities. So when you take something like monoculture of growing just one type of plant or um, the extractive process of taking foods out of communities and exporting them elsewhere and um, those things for the land result in depleted soil qualities, um, climate change from carbon emissions from things getting shipped all around instead of growing things locally. Um, and when those, when those systems are, when we see those things applied to communities, we end up with marginalized queer folks and people of color. Um, and well, I, I, I think you're, I mean, like the monoculture idea is like such a perfect metaphor for this because 
uh, when you have more traditional farms, you have this biodiversity where a chicken is not a chicken. A chicken is this breed or that breed, and they do different things. And your crops, you know, tomato is not a tomato. But when you walk around New York more and more these days, instead of seeing these little unique businesses that are each the story of some immigrant family that came here and they're like, we're going to open a coffee shop on Fifth Avenue and like, that's how we're going to do our thing. Instead, it's a Starbucks and a Starbucks is a Starbucks is a Starbucks is a Starbucks. Like Starbucks is a monoculture. There's Mm -hmm. not, you can have different people on their laptops in a Starbucks, but they're not the same vibrant community that arises naturally and reflects that diversity. It's all kind of stamped out of the same uh, corporate boilerplate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, how do we beat the system? How do we how do we up in this? What's some magic that we and our listeners can do to summon the slug lord and to uh, queer the game? Hmm. So to me, uh, a theme that I have noticed across my work in the past year that's kind of bridging the work that I do as Kiki with mm-hmm. the work in in agriculture is this idea of queer practice, of that being any methodology that subverts an existing power structure to create more opportunity for more Mm -hmm. people. And so I think that is a place where maybe there's some kind of magic to explore of how to queer What's like a tangible something. way to queer something? Like if I was like, I'm going out today and I'm going to queer it up. Like what, what mm-hmm. can I do? How do I how do I leave that slime trail of incendiary otherness behind me? Yeah, I think it can be very personal and it can be just how you show up in the world or in a space. Like it could be like you decide that you're going to wear lipstick today mm. and you're going to go to your job in lipstick and see what happens, what conversations come up. Like, I think that the important part though, is that whatever the choice is, that it's coming from some authentic desire, curiosity, that's like from somewhere in you. And you don't have to understand like the logic or reason why you feel like, I think I want to wear lipstick today, but to just do it and trust that that's going to open some door, change something um, I like that idea of the door I feel like that's come up in a few ways so maybe people could do a little meditation close your eyes take some deep breaths relax mm-hmm. and then open that door in your mind and invite the part of you that's weird that's wild that's slug like to emerge and give you just a little hint of what's something a little bit different that you can do today mm-hmm. to sort of rub the fur of our society against the grain yeah love that beautiful thank you Kieran thank you Kiki thank you Devin for more of Kiki's work check out at Kiki Slug Queen on Instagram or visit arspoetica.us slash queer readings to book a queer reading with Kiki and if you're enjoying the big slug energy of this podcast as a ritual please visit patreon.com slash this podcast as a ritual where you can become a true participant and access exciting bonus content like the deep dive into the magic and mythology of gnomes we released last week. Until next time, I'm your favorite mollusk magician, Devin Person, 
encouraging you to queer your reality and slime towards a slightly better tomorrow. <laughs>